For our first message today, we have a split sermon from Mr. Art Williams entitled, Aligned with His Purpose. Mr. Williams. Thank you, Reggie. Aligned with his purpose, we all know that God has an overall purpose of redemption of mankind, but there's also shorter-term objectives. And we see that mentioned to us in Ecclesiastes 3, verse 1. To everything there is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. So we need to know the season, the time, and his purpose that he is being accomplished at that particular time and how it plays into the overall goal of redemption of mankind so that we are aligned with both his particular purpose in time and the overall goal, the redemption of mankind. He has a plan because it's identified to us in Isaiah 46.10 where he says, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. And he goes on in Acts 17.31 validating the same point. Because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained, he has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. Unlike the Pharisees and the Sadducees at the time of Jesus, we have some visibility into the time. Jesus said to the Pharisees and Sadducees in second, no, I'll get, get ahead of myself there, um, that they could not discern the time. And he was referring to the sky. Uh, when the sky is red at night, sailors delight. When it's red in the morning, sailors take warning. And they could discern that. But they couldn't discern the times that they were living in at, the, at that day. And we get the beginning of his plan with the creation of Adam. And the creation week of six days that he labored followed by a day of rest. And in 2 Peter 3.8, we're reminded where Peter says, do not forget this one thing that with the Lord one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. We know that when Jesus returns, it's followed by the thousand year millennium as one day. That would be a one day Sabbath from man's rule, a rule under Christ. It can be inferred then that man's time to rule is 6,000 years. There was some work done on that, actually in two different um, times, one in 1630, and that's the one I'm going to reference. There was another one done that was 1562, which I couldn't find my notes on anymore. But in 1630, research was done by a team of theologians and scholars to determine when Adam was created, which began God's plan. And they started by going with Noah and working their way backward. And they used scriptures and they used other historical accounts, informations, and writings. And the day that they came up with was 4004 BC. So if we add 4004 and 2021, we come up with 6025, a little bit longer than the 6,000 years 
that we would have expected. But there's also a scripture that says, if my Lord delays his coming, and who of us hasn't delayed our coming to church for some reason because the baby spilled his milk or we had a flat tire or we had to go and pick up some, somebody up who had a car trouble at the last minute. So there are reasons why he may delay. And the 25 years out of 6,000 is like 0.4% or so. So it's not a big concern. But whether the 4,004 year is totally accurate or not isn't really that important in the big scheme of things. It does tell us that we are perhaps in the late afternoon or the early evening of the sixth day. His purpose now is to bring a witness, and that mankind bring a witness against himself so that man can be a witness to the results of his own actions. And what is going on now is the setting of the stage for that which will follow. That which is follow, going to follow will have the purpose in it that I'm referring to. And it's, a, it's an important purpose for every one of us. It's a drawing of the line in the sand. And it's a determination as to who is on the Lord's side and who is not. And ultimately, it results in ushering the kingdom of God on this earth. We can see and we can understand current events. And we can see the decisions that are setting the stage. And we can... <laughs> we can respond very negatively to that. It can move us to say or do things that are counter to the teachings of Jesus. And I had that experience this past week. This message is about successfully navigating the season and the times and being, and being sure that we are aligned with his purpose. But before we get into the crux of that, I want to bring to your attention a little bit of news that's out there. Some of you may already know this, may not. There is underway plans right now to, for the nations to go to a digital currency. I'm not talking about cryptocurrency. If you go on the internet and look around, you're going to see those terms used interchangeably. Digital currency, cryptocurrency, and you're going to see these statements that nations have crypto have digital currencies. There is not one nation yet that has the digital currency that I'm talking about. The digital currency that I'm talking about is a nationalized digital currency that will eliminate paper, money, and coinage. It is anticipated that China will do this first by the end of the year 2022. Europe says they will do it in four years. The head of the Federal Reserve said the U.S. is in no hurry to do that because the US dollar as the world's reserve currency, if they didn't do it right, they could destabilize the entire world economic system. But they are currently researching it with MIT, that's the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. He then went on to say some of the positives and some of the negatives about the digital currency. And one of the items that was flagged out that was really significant in the negative is, and this is almost an exact quote, digital currencies allow governments direct access into the wallets of individuals. They will know exactly what you spend, 
in how much you spend and where you spend it. And this could very well be the control point that Scripture talks about when it says you can't buy and sell unless you worship the beast. This is speculation, but since the beast power will be integrated with a religion, most religions want donations. And it could be that if you don't give a donation to this religion, you can't buy or sell. And they will have access to that information through digital currency. That's not the mark of the beast. That's just the control point. The mark of the beast is in the forehead, and in the right hand, thoughts, decisions, and works. Now, some of you may have already experienced something new, and it's an integral part of the digital currency. If you've renewed your driver's license recently, you may have gone there and had to put your right hand thumbprint on a fingerprint reader and stand in front of a camera where they did facial recognition on you. It's already in place. It's already being used. And you, so you would not have any kind of a card that you would use or anything like that to identify who you were. They would do it simply by looking at your face and your fingerprint. So I wanted to bring you that development because I think it could be very, very significant to all of us, uh, especially sometime in the future. But I want to look at dealing with the times now. And we're not the first to have to deal with difficult times in tolerating events that may make us feel like we're vexed, making us feel angry, making us feel like we want to lash out. And like was pointed out here uh, the other week, not using the word idiot or fool. If you say you idiot or you fool, you're in danger of the judgment. Those are Jesus' own words. I have that problem, especially with television. You know, you watch the news in the morning, at noon, and in the evening, and the late night, and all of a sudden you find out you're angry all day. And you go on the internet and you get a few more things and it makes you even more angry. And then you go out and you say, I'm going to get away from this. I'm going to watch a court TV program. And you see what craziness is on there with some of the people there. And you end up doing the same thing. Well, I turned on and decided I would watch the Flintstones. But we're not the first to suffer it. Lot did with Sodom and Gevorah. In 2 Peter 2, verses 6 through 8. And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes condemn them to destruction, making them an example to those who afterwards would live ungodly. For that righteous man dwelling among them was tormented, that tormented his righteousness, his righteous soul day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. The Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation and reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment. Sometimes what's hard for us to realize, at least for me to realize, is what it says in Ezekiel 33:11. As I live, says the Lord, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked man turn from his way and live. Turn away from your evil ways. Why will you die? And he was addressing that to the house of Israel. But it applies to every person that is wicked. 
And apprehending that attitude internally to ourselves is quite a task. But I think it's imperative that we do, and I'll show you that way a little later. When God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, and we can throw in Nineveh there also, the one-day-old, the one-year-old, babies were destroyed. One-day-old babies destroyed because the adults had a society that would have made their growth into an adult to be resulting in the same type of a being. Nineveh was given a reprieve and chance to repent, which they did, but only for a few hundred years, and they turned right around and went back to what they were, and so they were destroyed in the same way. A one-day-old baby, one-year-old baby, a ten-year-old child. Jesus says to us in Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30, Come unto me, all you that labor, and are heavily laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lonely in heart, and you shall find rest to your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. A yoke is an interconnecting device that's been used in the past to connect an animal like say an oxen or a horse, to a cart or a wagon. You put the yoke on the horse and you fixture it onto him so it's firm. Then you take the tongue of the wagon and you fixture that onto the yoke. Jesus says his yoke is take my yoke upon you and learn of me. The yoke is an important aspect of learning about Jesus. It connects you to him. He says, my burden is light. The burden is light. Do we feel our burdens are light? Are our burdens heavy? You know, sometimes, because of the way the world is, we load our cart up with a whole bunch of other burdens. And then we dwell on them, and we feed on them. We feed on those things with our eyes and our ears, and that's what feeds our anger. And we hurt ourselves, and at some point, place ourselves at risk in our relationship to Jesus. What are the burdens that you throw onto your cart? Only you know that. Entanglements are referenced in the scriptures affairs of this life are referenced and being unequally yoked are all referenced. And it's hard to define which those are, in, are negative or which ones we can deal with. Scripturally, entanglement seems to reply or imply legalism to the other, from one extreme to the opposite extreme being licentiousness those two extremes being entanglements of the world. Affairs of this life, which Paul references, uh, seems to relate to pleasing the commander, following the commander's rules, and to be toiling faithfully by his teachings. And being unequally yoked 
being not bound to unbelievers that may impact moral impurity to you. Unequally yoked can be involved with marriages, could be involved in business dealings, could be involved with simply your friends. Because your friends do things and you like your friend and all of a sudden you end up doing something that they're doing and you're in the middle of something. In Psalm 55.22, it says, Cast your burdens upon the Lord. He shall sustain you. He will never suffer the righteous to be moved. We need to practice that, take our burdens to him, and let him take them on his cart. In Proverbs 24, 17 through 20, also tells us a little instruction to be sure that we're going to stay in good graces with him. And it involves the anger part of life and our, us being vexed by what we have to live in and experience. Proverbs 24, 17, Rejoice not when your enemy falls, and let not your heart be glad when he stumbles, lest the Lord see it, and it displease him, and he turn away his wrath from him. Fret not yourself because of evil men, neither be envious of the wicked, for there shall be no reward to that evil man. The candle of the wicked shall be put out. There are some significant indicators to the churches. Of the five churches in Revelation, five of the seven have problems, faults, that if not corrected, will require them to prove themselves to him. The one church that has no fault is Smyrna has no fault. They go through a tribulation. They go through poverty. And he says, you will be tried your faith for 10 days and you will be put to death to try your faith. So even though they went through a tribulation and through poverty, they still hadn't proven their faith The only successful church is the Philadelphia church. And he says to them, because you have kept the word of my patience, I will keep you from the hour of temptation which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. What is the word of his patience? We get some visibility into that in Revelation 13.10. He who leads into captivity shall go into captivity. He who kills with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and faith of the saints. You can read that in some other translations. And what it comes out to be, if you don't understand exactly what he's saying here, you patiently and faithfully endure the captivity and the killing, looking to him in a believing faith, not responding to save yourself, 
by trusting in him. And you will be in the Philadelphia church and you will have kept the word of his patience and he will keep you from the hour of temptation. There's a warning that Jesus gives us and it's found in Luke 18, 7 and 8. And God shall not, and shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him. And we will do that if we haven't already. Though he bear long with them, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? The indication from the examples of the seven churches and what he says about faith and what he says about the Philadelphia church indicates that there is going to be a lack of faith, the faith that he requires from us. And I think that there is some degree of substituting intellectual understanding and belief for a active, demonstrative faith. I gave a handout on the, on the chairs, and it's about anger. And if you don't have one, I can get you one later. I only had a certain number of limited copies. But it goes through why some of us might actually subconsciously enjoy getting anger, angry. It's an interesting article. I hope you all will read it and look at it and think about how it applies to you, perhaps. Some of the signs being at risk, of course, we, I just mentioned anger, but anger without a righteous basis. Jesus talks about being angry and sin not. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Paul's a little bit more persuasive on it or a little bit more uh, specific. He says don't have any of it. Avoid it all. And think on the positive things. And look on those things and think on those things. Some of the things that are going to happen may be the result of people believing wrong things. I think one, one group that may, as an illustration, if you believe you're going to be part of a secret rapture and that never happened, and all of a sudden you find you're in the middle of this, how will you react to that? Are you going to just turn your back on religion and say, I was lied to by all those people? That beastie guy over there with a new religion, he's got God, I'm going with him. Matthew 24, verses 10 and 12. It says, and many shall be offended for whatever reason, there can be many reasons, and they shall betray one another. Will that be any of us? And they shall hate one another, and many false prophets shall rise and deceive many, and because iniquity shall abound, the love of many will wax cold. I feel very vulnerable to that. 
Because iniquity shall abound, the love of many will wax cold. But God's love doesn't wax cold. He's got a plan. His plan is, all right, I gave you guys the chance to do it, and you screwed it all up. So I'm going to erase this whole sleet, and I'm going to sheet, I'm going to start all over, and we're going to do it right, because we're going to do it my way. And the last are going to be first, and the first are going to be last. And the reason the last are going to be first is because they experienced man's inadequacies. And when they come up in the resurrection, they're going to say, I want no part of that. Yes, God, whatever you say. Whereas he brought Adam up first, Adam's going to be saying, well, let's have a go at it. Cain and Abel. And it warns us in Matthew 24, verses 24 and 25, the false messiahs and false prophets will rise up and perform great signs and wonders so as to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones. They probably, in doing their miracles and their great signs and wonders, will probably be associating themselves in some convoluted way with the instructions that are in this book. We, as part of this church, in 1 Peter 4, verses 17 says, For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it begins at us first, what end shall be of them that obey not the gospel? So we are under evaluation right now. The decision as to whether we will have to prove our faith by death is being made right now. Now, and to make sure that our attitude is correct and just how strenuous the times will be. And I want to contrast two things here. Daniel 7.25 where it says, he, speaking of the beast, shall speak great words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High and think to change times and laws and they shall be given into his hand, that is the saints, until a time, times, and the dividing of time. And here's the thing we need to be really, really well aware of. That we don't feel like picking up a gun and taking sides in the dispute and picking this side is right, or that side's wrong, or whatever. Revelation 17, 17. For God has put in their heart, their, the there they're referring to is the ten kings. God has put into the hearts of the ten kings to fulfill his will, and to agree and give their kingdom unto the beast. That is the will of God, that the ten kings do that. So if you pick up a gun and fight against the ten kings, you are fighting against the will of God. That's just how tricky this thing is. And give their kingdom unto the beast until the words of God shall be fulfilled. Now we get better understanding of what he says to the Philadelphia church because you have kept the words of my patience. The solution 
don't be like Lot. Boy, that's an easy thing to say, isn't it? But there's a scripture about it in Proverbs 24, 19, and 20. Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the wicked. For there be no prospect for the evil man, and the lamp of the wicked will go out. We already talked about cast your burdens onto the Lord. And in John 15, 5, stay connected to the vine, the branches. Abide in him. Bear much fruit. And endure. Matthew 24, 13. But he that shall endure unto the end shall be saved. Live to please the Spirit. Because those that live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life. Today, the stage is being set. The, current, the curtains have not even opened yet on the main event. If we can't handle today just the setting up of the stage, how will we handle the main event? Don't feed the flesh with your eyes and your ears and your decisions. Feed the spirit. Consume the bread of life. When the spirit of God departed from the temple in ancient Israel, God had a mark set upon the forehead that those that cry and sigh because of the abomination of Israel. And this mark protected them from the destruction that followed. You can find that in Ezekiel 9, 4. It starts in verse 4 and goes on. One way we can help condition ourselves so we are ready uh, for what will happen if we happen to be living that long. Some of us may, some of us may not. Be aware of opportunities. Opportunities for training. Training yourself right now. What am I talking about? I used this example once before. Whether you're in the military or whether, no matter what you're in, if you go through training for when somebody's shooting at you, there's bombs going off around you, you can respond better to it when it actually happens. Be aware of opportunities to stand up now for Jesus and true Christian beliefs. And I'm not talking about standing outside the atheist uh, international headquarters or something and pass out religious organization, make yourself a target. But I'm saying, when you go through daily life, if somebody says something and, and keep your mind on Christian things, say something that is Christian to the person. I, I've had different responses. Sometimes I've had, had one salesperson at the checkout counter give me an ugly face and turn away and look the other way. Another time I had two people that just spoke, broke out with big smiles and said, yeah, we believe that too. That can help you prepare for the future. This is an experience that will help you to walk confidently and fearlessly down into the valley of the shadow of death that may be, might be required of you in the future. Build trust, build confidence, build faith in him. I want to end with a little bit of a song lyric that I like. Um, the very end of the song, it says, That which is the present shall become the past. And those that are first now will later be last. A thought that's scriptural. Our successful alignment with his purpose is dependent upon our reliance upon him, upon guidance through his Holy Spirit. 
tomorrow is a day of very great significance to this accomplishment, the day of Pentecost. The day when the Holy Spirit was given to man, and we will celebrate that day and give thanks for that tomorrow.